Hello and welcome to episode 257 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. Joining me as always is the very vocal and very smooth League Freak. You can find on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? I'm going very, very well, Andrew. How are you? I'm uh, I'm confident and happy because of my smooth balls. Well, you know, it's funny that you mention that because everyone be, can be happy and they can be confident because of their smooth balls because we've got an offer and it is just for our listeners. Nobody else's listeners, just ours. Because if you go to manscaped.com and you put in the code at checkout, which is NRL, which is only for our listeners, you get 20% off and free shipping from the best personal care website for men on planet earth what more could you possibly possibly ask for i i actually i don't know this as a fact but i'm willing to chuck it out there i'm pretty sure if you're on the space station and you want to shave your your balls you'd go to manscape.com as well like it's not just on earth I'll tell you what, you could actually save a bit of money if you're shaving mm. your balls in the space station because you wouldn't need the mat for your pubes to drop on. They'll just be floating That's... around. You just need one of those little vacuum cleaner things, you know, those portable ones? Yeah, or, or just not even bother about it and just be like, hey, look, you know, we're all adults here. <laughs> We've got... <laughs> just, just, let the, just let the pubes wander around the cabin. Yeah, just hand out, you know, dental floss. Hey, Everyone might... will be fine. They might get in stuck in the instruments, though. There, there is that, that possibility that, you know, your pubes get stuck in, in some instrument panel and someone's blown out the airlock because of it. But you've got to crack some eggs to make an omelette, and your <laughs> eggs will true. be smooth as fuck when that happens. That's true. Although, you know. You know, you know when the aliens find a, a planet Earth that is just a smoking shell sometime in 2044 and they see a body floating out in, in, like, the atmosphere, and they pick it up, and they crack it open. They're going to say, like, wow, this person, it looks like they were blown out of the airlock at some point, and, my God, their genitals are just so smooth. How come we don't have this? Yeah, exactly, and then they'll probe you. Yeah, just to find out. Yeah. There we go. We didn't get it at all off track there. No, so go to manscaped.com, put in the code NRL. We recommend the Lawnmower 3.0, the Perfect Package 3.0 as well. It's very, Absolutely. very good. Yeah. Today, we're going to talk numbers. I love numbers. Freaky loves numbers. Yeah. I count with numbers. That's right. Well, I, I tend to do it with numbers as well. Find, yeah, find yeah. it a bit easier. Yeah. Numbers and fingers. Yeah. Don't worry. We, we love our fingers. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, today we're going to look at the 2021 NRL draw, which came out just uh, two days ago. Mm. And um, every time the draw comes out, um, a bunch of people who think that the NRL is shit now decide to come out and tell us, you know, who's got the hardest and softest draw. Yeah, it's always, on, it's always pretty funny. It's yeah. like all the experts and they're like, oh, this is, you know, I haven't played a game yet in 2021 but it's like oh this is the team that's had the hardest draw and it's like you literally don't know if you're using your opinions that's right so i figured i'd use maths based on the 2020 nrl ladder and i know that that brings up a heap of drama because as we saw this year you know teams are going to improve some are going to be worse blah 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 blah. so it's not rock it's not, you know, it's not rock solid mm-hmm but it's better than some drunk giving his opinion over a fucking 
you know, schooner of who knows what. Shame. <laughs> Shame. <laughs> <laughs> They'd be doing rounds of that shit. Exactly. Five more, please, just for yeah. me. Oh, the doesn't pass the pub test. Uh, shut up, you fucking alco. Yeah. We'll have to do a pub test one day. We should do. What would that pub test be, though? I don't know, but that's something we can have fun with. Yeah, that's true. All right. So there's a few things here I was looking at. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first thing is Thursday and Friday night games. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, that's where all the the majority of the advertising money is going to come in, obviously. Mm-hmm. And for many, many years, the Broncos dominated this. They would have far more games on Thursday and Friday than the second best team and so on and so forth. This year, oh, 2021 though, they'll have 14 all up. So it's 14 out of 24. It's still more than half. Yeah. But it's only one more than the Storm and Penrith. Oh, wow. That's interesting. And the Storm have got a, they've got eight of uh, their 13 games are played on Thursday night. Mm-hmm. And Penrith's kind of the other way around. On Friday night. They've got a bunch of Friday night games, yeah. You know, I I think it's fair to say the two bankable teams next year that you kind of look at and you think they've probably got the highest uh, probability of being good next year as well are the Storm and the Panthers. Now, it's easy to say they're the grand finalists and stuff, but I think that every other team you could see drop-offs for different reasons, whereas the Storm and the Panthers, like, they're not losing key personnel, which is good. We don't know what Cameron Smith's doing, but they've got like two other test quality hookers to replace <laughs> him if they need to. So, um, so yeah, that, that kind of makes sense. I, I am a little bit surprised that the Broncos have got that many um, primetime games, though, because they were terrible last year, but obviously the ratings were still there for them. It must have been, um, which is interesting because interesting I would have thought that if the Broncos were still drawing good viewer crowds, Mm. Then the Titans and the and the Cowboys would be getting plenty of games as well, but mm. they're not. The Titans get just six games, um, and the Cowboys will have seven. Okay, look, that's a lot for the Cowboys considering the season they had. Well, yeah, exactly. But you would have thought that maybe the Titans would have had a few more. Yeah, I would have thought for sure. I would have thought the Titans would. I think the Titans will have a pretty solidly year next year. Um, yes. But yeah, the Broncos just even wooden spooners. They must still just rate in that uh, Queensland market so well. Absolutely. Now, Canberra, mm-hmm. it's a it's going to be a huge year for them because they'll have nine games all up, which is far more than they've ever had before in a season. Oh wow! Um, they for a long time, even when they were successful, you know, losing reasonably successful in the uh, you know over the last decade, the years where they were good, they still could not be seen. On a, on a Thursday or a Friday night. Mm-hmm. So now they've got uh, five games on Thursday and I think it's four games on Friday. Wow, that's interesting. That's a bit surprising to me. I thought they might have been one of the ones that fell off a bit, but they've added all those extra games. Yeah. Um, the Warriors, too, have picked up a lot. They now, they've got seven Friday night games. Mm-hmm. They typically barely ever get a mention here. Yeah. Um, the West Tigers, uh, a team that usually always got a fair a fair share of Friday night games, they've now got just five games across Thursday and Friday. No Thursday games, mm-hmm. just five Friday games. Only the Bulldogs have less, and they've got oh, wow. two. 
Oh, yeah, that's pretty – that's rough. Yeah. That's um, rough. The Dogs, the Sharks, the Warriors, and the Tigers are the only teams that will not play a single game on Thursday. Okay. You know, it, it makes me wonder about when teams get the draw for this, you know, 2021, and they look at their commercial deals and gaining new sponsors and their deals with existing sponsors, um, how much the draw affects them. Like, I wonder if teams can put a monetary value on, say, having 10 Friday night games or Thursday and Friday night games versus only five of them. It'll be interesting to know that. Exactly. Um, and so the other thing that was, that was interesting for me is that the Titans and the Cowboys combined will have 13 games across Thursday and Friday, which is still one less than what the Broncos have got on their own. Yeah, that's, that is interesting. But uh, overall, the draw is reasonably fair to nearly every team. Mm-hmm. Um, the Dogs, it's no surprise that they've got the least amount, but they probably could have done with one or two more games just so that they're sort of around the same mark as, you know, the other teams with four, at least four yeah. or five games on a Friday. They're the only ones that are a long way below everyone else. Yeah. Yeah, and look, it's I, I can't argue with the, the broadcasters in doing that or in wanting that anyway because, um, man, it's the, the Dogs games were hard to watch and yeah. their, their fans were blowing up about it. I mean, their fans, it'll be interesting to see what their crowds are like next year because I think that's a really good marker as to how their fans overall are paying attention to them at the moment. Yes. Um so the next thing I was looking at was the strength of opposition. Mm-hmm. And so this is calculated purely on the ladder ranking of every team at the end of the 2020 NRL season. Mm-hmm. Um, the Broncos clearly have the toughest because um, their combined position rank is 174, mm-hmm. which is 17 lower than the next toughest, which is the Bulldogs. Oh, wow. Um, so the, the Broncos play... The Premiers twice. Yeah. They play the Panthers twice as well. So the grand finalists, they play four of their games against them. They play all of the top four, top four teams from last year twice. Mm-hmm. And they play seven of the top eight teams twice. Oh, wow. So one of the hardest draws I've seen a team have. And it's crazy that the team that came last and were historically one of the worst ever teams to finish last is handed such a rough draw. Because <laughs> I thought yeah. the one thing you'd want to do is help protect them and get them winning again by having them play a lot of the lower eight teams, because especially when you're putting them on primetime TV on Thursday and Friday. Yeah, 100%. I, I wonder, like, with that ranking of the the draw, um, obviously with the Broncos being in last place, they add their weight to the ease of draw, or they take their weight away from how tough a draw is. Um, do you have a figure for what that would be? Not really. It's, it's kind of hard to gauge given yeah. that they were a finalist last year. Yeah. And then just fell to, you know, fell into a shit heap this year. Yeah. We don't, we've never seen this from the Broncos before. We don't know if they bounce straight back. Mm-hmm. We don't know if they live in squalor for five years. Yeah. Especially with a brand new coach coming in. Um, they've also got, a few players moving on. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a massive unknown at the moment. There's rumours going around that Jofa Hangawi's 
just already decided to leave. Mm-hmm. Um, Matt Lodge is apparently about to be offered a million dollar deal to go to the Warriors. No way! Oh my mm-hmm. goodness! Apparently, he's I think it's his father in law works for the Warriors high up there. Oh really? So he, he could be his way out there. Then you see the fact they've lost David Fafita as well. Mm-hmm. So and they've got uh, Tavita Pangai is a bit on the outer there after his I, dramas there. I saw. I actually heard uh, Kevin Walters the other day saying that he. He wants to obviously he wants Pango Junior to stay, um, and that he's he's been you know involved with the club since. Like they haven't put put him completely on the outer, but it was pretty close to them sacking him. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see whether he he reacts positively or whether he pouts because yeah. I think for him it it really could go either way. Exactly. So. It- Really is going to be interesting to see what they do there. Yeah. Um, now, the team that's got the softest opposition rank is the Knights. Okay. And it's by quite a bit. Oh, really? Yeah. They've got one of the easiest draws there. Um, the next easiest belongs to the Titans and mm-hmm. then the Cowboys. Uh, okay. Sorry, Penrith and then the Cowboys. Penrith, wow. Yeah. Penrith, obviously, because... They will not play anyone who's ranked one. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so that's, that's like that thing with the Broncos where they yeah. they affect their own draw to very extremely because they're at the extreme end of the scale. That's right. So um, that's then. Now the next one is Day's turnaround. Mm-hmm. There's a lot here to look at. the The total number of days turnaround, if you add up, you know, the number of days turnaround between each game, you put that all together. There's very little difference between the least and the most. Okay, um, that's good. Canberra has 165 days in total. That's yep. the least. Yep. And the Bulldogs and South have the most at 170. So it's just five days difference. Oh, wow. That's that's absolutely incredible that so, the NRL is able to get that close. That's pretty tight. Yeah. Now, Melbourne has the most five-day turnarounds. Mm-hmm. They have four of them in 2021. Mm-hmm. Now, before any Storm fans get upset about that it's worth noting that melbourne have won all of their last 16 games with a five-day turnaround which dates back to round 13 2015 that's <laughs> that's pretty amazing so um, that's basically four wins there that's the storm doing storm things hey <laughs> exactly now is uh, any of those five-day turnarounds for the storm because they play on say anzac day or something like that where it's yeah. a, almost a forced fix- fixture that's pretty much it, yeah. Okay. Um, so Canberra and the Warriors have three five-day turnarounds, so the next mm-hmm. most. Um, at the other end, the Bulldogs, the Sharks, and the West Tigers are the only teams to not have a five-day turnaround. Oh, okay. Um, on the flip side, I was looking at another thing, which was um, draw stability. And this is where... Um, for example, teams can get into a routine because they've got a similar number of days turnaround. Yep. So, for example, the Bulldogs have um, 10, 10 weeks where they've got a seven-day turnaround. Back to back to back? Not back to back to back, but okay. just over the entire year. So it just helps okay. them get into a routine. Yeah. They can yeah. get a system in place, and routine is really good for helping a team to grow a bit of consistency and you know, improve them and put in better performances. Yeah, and like I know you've done the statistics on um, turnarounds and how 
teams don't like short turnarounds because it ruins, they feel as though it ruins their ability to prepare for a game, but it doesn't really show out in the numbers. That's right. Um, and I think I plan to look into this over the off season. Mm-hmm. I want to find out whether a short turnaround um, impacts the week after. Mm. Because a lot of teams do reasonably well when they've got a five-day turnaround, but I want to know what they do the week after they have a five-day turnaround and whether yeah. it impacts that next week. Yeah. Because um, so I, un- I can understand where it's almost like the anecdotal evidence against the pure statistic. And the pure statistic says, and like when, when we looked at them together and you put them together, they're not my st- statistics, but it was shocking how unaffected teams were on a five-day to five day turnaround but obviously that like the teams the players the coaches they all feel as though it's not good for them but yeah you like we didn't look at that extra what it's like the following week so yeah i'll be really interested to see that yeah that's something i'll uh, i'll punch out over the off season mm-hmm. um the roosters have 10 10 weeks with a six day turnaround mm-hmm. and yeah, Penrith and the Bulldogs both have 10 weeks with a seven-day turnaround. Okay. So that's going to help them out a fair bit. Mm-hmm. Um, the There's only a few teams where they don't have at least a third of their games, which is eight eight matches, Yeah, with the same-day turnaround. Um, the Broncos, the Titans, Manly, um, Melbourne have a very disruptive-looking um, season. As yeah. far as days turnaround goes, mm-hmm. and that and the Warriors, okay. Mel- Melbourne have got four five day turnarounds, six six day turnarounds, four seven day, four eight day, three nine day, a ten day, Whoa. and then a sixteen day one after they've had the buy. Whoa! <laughs> it is that's all over the place. You want to try and get yeah, for stability at least eight games on one of those because that's a thirty year season. Yeah, and they they don't even get close to that. It's going to be interesting to see um, how teams now react to the draw in terms of we saw a lot of teams this year flying in on the day of the match and then flying out the night of the match. Um, and some teams were saying that they would maybe adopt that for, the re- for you know, going forward next year. Um, it'll be interesting to see if a team in a situation like that with the Storm if they use that travel time as a way to stabilise those numbers a little bit. Um, but who knows? I mean, that's so disruptive for their season. Yeah, it's... That, that might be the, the most disruptive thing in the entire draw. It could well be. It's it's pretty rough. Mm. Um, the the Warriors one is... It's not, it's not as bad because they've got seven... Seven games with a seven-day turnaround, so it's not mm-hmm. too far off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Storm one is definitely the worst. Yeah. Um, the Knights, they've got a different challenge. They've got two 10-day turnarounds. Mm-hmm. No one else has two. There's a few. There's uh, four clubs that have got one 10-day turnaround, but they've got two as well as a two-week turnaround when they've got the bye. Holy crap. So when do those two 10-day turnarounds, so that's like a Thursday game, and then a Sunday. A Sunday game. Yeah. Wow. So uh, they've also got three nine-day turnarounds. And they've got this weird thing where they've got lots of big gaps. Yeah. Um, so that that also can have a negative impact. 
thinking about their lineup, I mean, if you look at their lineup this year, they had a lot of injuries, and a lot of those injuries seem to be, um, you know, the the almost players wearing down. Um, a, a season like that is the absolutely perfect scenario if you've been dealing with those sorts of injuries where you've got those big breaks between games. Exactly. Um, especially if you've got a halfback, he, he seems to break down a little bit too much. Yeah, yeah. Which they started to have a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, the Roosters, too, have five nine-day turnarounds, which is much higher. Well, South have got four of them, but other than that, most teams have only got two or three. Mm-hmm. Five's, that's, that's a fair few. Yeah, that's um, pretty handy for them. Manly's got seven eight-day turnarounds. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, yeah, so th- those are sort of the anomalies that stick out there. Okay. So taking into account all that stuff, I, I put together a list of um, teams who have got um, the hardest draw going from – this is going from hardest to softest. Okay. Okay, so the Roosters have the hardest draw. Mm-hmm. Followed by the Broncos, Canberra, Melbourne, Parramatta, Dragons, the Panthers. Uh, then you've got the Warriors, Manly, Sharks, Titans, Bulldogs, Tigers, Rabbitohs, Cowboys, and Knights with the easiest draw. Wow. Look, I, listening to that list, it, it feels, you know, there's a couple of teams that are hard done by there considering how they went in 2020. But it feels like, the better teams are more in the harder part of the draw and some of the teams that could have used an easier draw get a bit of an easier draw overall. I know it's not the same for everyone, but it feels like it's not too bad for teams that were, say, outside the eight. Yeah, that's right. And, I mean, the Knights faded horribly at the back end of the season, so this draw might help them out a bit. Yeah. Um, The Cowboys and the Tigers, uh, Bulldogs, all had woeful ends of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Tigers have apparently got one of the easier runs home, according to who News Limited Journal you want to talk to. <laughs> um, as we've seen for the entirety of the Tigers' history, there's no such thing as a soft draw for that club, especially yes. at the back end of the season. Now, I, like I'm looking at the, well, let's go from, say, round 20 onwards. Um, so it's the Tigers versus Warriors at Bankwest Stadium in round 20. That's on a thir- uh, Friday night. Uh, and then we have, I'm just going through the list, and it's a Sunday afternoon game at Belmore against the Bulldogs. That's at 2 p.m. in round 21. Then round 22, I'm just going through the list. Okay, so it's Cowboys versus Tigers on a Saturday evening up in Queensland. So it's not too bad so far. I think they played the Bulldogs twice in the last seven yeah. rounds or so. Yeah, they do. Saturday, uh, August 21st, they played the Sharks in Tamworth. Throw it out the window. Poor bastards. <laughs> that's a that's a rough one. <laughs> oh, boy. Round 24, they play 4 p.m. Sunday against the Penrith Panthers at Penrith Footy Stadium. That's going to be a rough one. And then the last game in round 25 is against the Bulldogs at 4 p.m. at Campbelltown Stadium. So, yeah, that's a that's a real good run in, I would say, apart from the Panthers. Yeah, and possibly even the Sharks. Yeah, the Sharks will be a tough one, yeah. So it's... Hmm. 
problem is it's all well and good having a good run home, but if you've got to the halfway point of the season and only got one or two wins, it doesn't matter how good your run home is, you're not making the finals. Listen, it's just the only problems they have is everything between round one and 20. Okay. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Outside of that, everything's fine. Yeah, it's fine. So that's that's the uh, the draw in a nutshell. I wrote an article about it, which is on the League Unlimited website. Um, so if you follow me on Twitter, you can you can find it through there. Mm-hmm. If you that's if you act properly. I make fifteen million tweets a day, so you know you've got to be getting there quick. You know, get <laughs> lost in the ether, otherwise. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And if you if you're looking for a really really quick look at the draw go go to leaguefreak.com the best thing to do go there scroll right to the bottom of the website and you'll see a link that says 2021 nrl draw it's really simple there you go you'll get the whole lot there yeah right so what else has been going on well we've got a bunch of emails that we're going to go through and have a have a read through how about that sounds good Okay, so Nui Ash, he sends he sent us a bunch of them. It's been great. He says, I've been thinking about who would be, and I haven't pre-read these, by the way, so hopefully, you know. I've been thinking about who would be my own immortal selections, and I think it would be players which significantly changed how good a team was when they played. I couldn't find any good information out there about players who significantly changed the win-slash-loss percentage and points differential of teams when they're on the field compared to when they were off it. But I know a couple of podcasters who might be able to help me out with some sweet, sweet stats. Oh, who? I'd love to know. Hey, I'm assuming the the likes of modern players like Johns and Lewis would be in this category, but I suspect there are players out there that might be a surprise. It would also be interesting and pretty hilarious to see which stars around which players made teams significantly worse when they were on the paddock. Well, first of all, the problem with that is a player who you mentioned was Wally Lewis. Yeah. I mean, he basically played in a Queensland origin side when he was in that Broncos team. Yeah. And as they showed, they took him out in... Was it 91? Yeah, I think it was, yeah. And the following year, they won the premiership. Yeah. So it, it's that's evidence as to how hard it is to try and use raw win-loss data and stuff like that to try mm-hmm. and prove a point like that because it comes down to everyone in the team. Um, so that, to me, is the sort of question that would be probably best handled by Ben Darwin at uh, Gainline Analytics. Yeah. That's the sort of stuff he he dabbles in and, and tries to, you know, I suppose drill down on what makes a team successful, whether it's one person, whether it's a coach, whether it's, you know, the way they train, all sort of stuff. So um, that'd be a good one to send out his way, I reckon. Yeah, it would be. I Like, I know we've seen some statistics for the star players, you know, how, how the team goes when they're in and how they go when they're out. And it can be really mixed. Like you could get, and I'm just making up stats here. I'm not reading any stats at all. But you might get someone like a James Tedesco who, you know, he's missed four or five games over the course of his Roosters career. And they might win the majority of those games because they're a good team, you know. Whereas you might get someone like a Benji Marshall who the Tigers' win-loss percentage might not change at all when he's in or out of the side because they lose a lot of games. Like, you just... It's hard to tell. Is the, I, I would doubt that there's too many players that spike that sort of... Um, that difference between wins and losses when they're on and off the field. And I think the problem with it, too, is 
you you would have to have a sample size that is so large that they would have to miss a lot of games. And that's going to affect not only the player, but the overall team's win-loss percentage overall anyway. Yeah. Um, it all, it's, I mean, it's always fun to look at the, the win-loss mm. percentage and see if a team does have that much of an impact. Mm-hmm. And it's um, sometimes it comes up with some, with some uh, amusing results. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it is, a, it is a tricky one because it does depend on who's in the side. Like I mean, classic example is if you said um, you could probably say that Sean Rudder was the main reason why Newcastle was so successful successful through the early two thousands. Yeah, exactly, because his win loss percentage would be great when he was on the field. Yeah, that's um, because he's on the field with Andrew Johns. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It, I I wonder if a better statistic would be um, points points differential when the player is on the field versus when they're not on the field. Um, that, that could be something that's definitely worth looking at, like the average points scored. It works. Yeah. Uh, that's a good one for um for the backs. Yeah, yeah, that would be shown really well there. Um, with the forwards, it's a bit trickier. Mm-hmm. Maybe defense could be better. It's, I mean, it's it's looking at it in a pretty simplistic way, but it, it could be a metric that works. Yeah, it's re- it's really. I mean, I know for for the NBA, and there's only five players on on the court for each team at a time. They have a plus-minus system that they I love use. That yeah, and it's it's handy in some ways, but it can be misleading as well. It's like, look, if I was defending alongside LeBron James, my plus-minus would be in the positive, and exactly. it would have nothing to do with me. Um, I, I love I love the ingenuity behind that idea. Yeah, because it's just it's a curious factor. You just look at it and go, oh, that's that- different and unique. I like that. Yeah. So look, the thing I, the thing I have loved being an NBA supporter over the last ten years or so, is that the team I support, which is the Houston Rockets, were like right. They they said okay, there, the, there's going to be a change, and it's going to be in terms of how we use statistics to build our team, and we are going one hundred percent all in. And even last year, last season, they ran out with a lineup. I think their tallest player that they used regularly was like six foot eight. They didn't use centers and, and things like that because the statistics said that that would work. Now it worked to a point. It didn't work all the way and they were beaten by the NBA champions. But I, I've, so I've watched it in play and it's been really cool to see the, the change over time where like just even something for as basic as like, if you hit, 35% of your three-point shots, that's better than hitting 50% of your two-point shots. And it, it's weird that it took like 40 years in the NBA to work that out. You know? <laughs> um, and so it's been cool. I've watched it with my team, and it's been uh, like a living, breathing project that proves a lot of things, disproves other things as well. But um, And I wonder if we... I wonder if it's happening in the NRL and we don't see it or hear about it. I've, my thoughts are that we are probably only at the very beginning of that sort of thing because i i just don't think we would see clubs going out and and saying like for instance you know by this player he isn't a superstar but all of the statistics point to your right side defense is going to be better if you're by this center just for having him on the field because he makes decisions that, you know, things like that. It's it's going to be interesting yeah. to see how it works out. 
That's right. I, I believe a lot of that data does actually exist, mm-hmm. and clubs have access to it, but the fans don't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think, and it must be super guarded. Like, oh yeah, it would be. Yeah, it would be. I, I wonder if you would get, because you'd need to have a such a sample size to know that your data was was worth what you were doing with it. Um, and I feel like the data that they probably use the most is the GPS data. I oh, feel yeah. like that would be the real, the gold that you could get. Oh, agreed. Agreed. I mean, there's a reason why they're all wearing those things now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, um, I, I'd love to see that data too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I reckon over the course of a year, like you could even get someone like a Nathan Cleary and sit down and analyze what he does on the field in attack and defense and work something out with that just based on, on his data alone. You might, and it might be something stupid, like look, you're, you're tied towards the end of the game. And it's because we've calculated that you run half a kilometer in a game more than you really need to, you know? Yeah, well, and the other things it could do too is um, it might see who he follows the most. Mm-hmm. So he might spend a lot of time running next to Kickout, for example. Mm-hmm. And so if other clubs had access to this, they can then mould their defence to try and counter that attack. Yeah. So that's probably part of the reason why it's guarded so much. Yeah. But clubs would be only able to get their own team's data and not not opposition teams. I wonder what would happen if the NRL brought out an edict where they said, we own the GPS data and we are making it available to every club for every team and how that would affect tactics and things like that. What they could do is say, we'll give you access to all of this GPS data. Mm. You have to forfeit your club grant for the year. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> and, and because I could see where you would use it against wingers and fullbacks more than anything. Oh, you'd definitely be using it to shut down playmakers. Yeah. Um, especially ones who spend a lot of time with the ball in their hands. So mm-hmm. um, teams who have one dominant half, mm. you want to shut them down. So Daly Cherry Evans, classic example. If you can shut him down, you shut down Manly's attack almost entirely. Yeah. Um, the same would happen with Penrith. I know they've got some good young halves there, but if you shut down Cleary, the I, I'm pretty confident that the you know, Tyrone May or Jerome Luai, whoever they put in six, mm. would not be able to run the attack anywhere near as well as Cleary would. I also wonder if you could pick up on on things that players do when they're preparing to do something like for instance, and I'm just making this up once again, but I wonder if teams would see like, you know, when Kikau is going to, just before Kikau runs the ball, he runs dead straight up the field and then he he runs into the, like the line, getting ready and, and pick up little um, habits that they've got, you know? It'd be yeah. so interesting to look at it all. Roger Tuivasa Shek and, you know, which way he's inclined to run first when he goes back to, to field a kick or something like that. Yeah, like he, like he, when he is going to run right, he turns left to grab the ball. Like just little things, you know. Yeah. It'd be so amazing to look at it all. And that, that look, that's the reason why the teams don't want it out there because it is. You could shut down a lot of different things they were doing just by that stuff. And can you imagine exactly. what Craig Bellamy would do with it? Like, 
He'd destroy teams. Oh, oh, it would be unfair. He'd pick them apart. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, that, that's a that's a good question. That one. That was a, that was a really good one. Good news is, Nui Ash has sent another one. He sent of course, that's great. Uh, purely based on this year's Origin series and the currently available uninjured players, who would make your Kangaroos seventeen if they were about to play a Test series? Okay. Ooh. Okay. It's t- it's time. Okay, have you got your your spreadsheet open? No. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Let's do it anyway. I'll, I'll, I'll just talk over the top of you if I think of something different. Okay, okay. <clears throat> Let me write down one seventeen. In in anybody that runs a rugby league website can do this really quick. Uh, Are we picking these based on the? State of Origin teams this year, or yeah, just the State of Origin teams? All right. Okay. So number one, Tedesco. No, it's easy, Tedesco. Okay. Who are our wingers? Adokar. Yeah, Adokar for sure. Um, who would the other? I thought Tupo played really well. He did. Um, I'd also put Gagai there if we can't if if we can't make him a centre. Okay, who are, who are our centers then? Well, I know who they're not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> not the New South Wales one. So, like, I guess you've got to have Gagai, right? Yeah, Gagai's got to be there. And then Capewell. <laughs> oh, man, it's, it's rough. He played like frigging Greg Inglis, but I think it had a lot to do with who was marking him. I'd probably, I'd probably stick with Jack Whiten. Okay, I, I'm willing to do that too. Okay, so our other winger, are we going Tupo? Um, I can't go Valentine Holmes. Like he dropped so no. many balls. Tupo or Xavier Coates? I, I love Xavier Coates' work, okay. so I'm a bit biased there. Okay, let's put Coates in. Okay, our number six. Well, it's Munster. Munster is, is our six, seven. I'm, I'm. I want to go with DCE. Really? Okay. I'll yeah. go with. I'll go with DCE. Only, only because Munster's running game mm. is is superb. Mm-hmm. But DCE is able to direct the team around. I think better than any other halfback in the game at the moment. Cleary will get there. There's no mm. doubt about it. But DCE's yeah. just got that experience on him. I just think he's a bit better at it. I think the if you if you're going <clears throat> look if they pick the Australian team. And they picked DCE ahead of Cleary. As big a Cleary fan as I am and, and what he did in the series, I, I look at it and I'd say, look, DCE is the, you know, he's just about the incumbent, you know. It's yeah. hard to argue there. Um, the forwards. Forwards going to be difficult. Um, no one from Newcastle. I'm I am right with you there. Um, I'm happy with Payne Haas. And... Haas is a starter? Well, I don't mind if he's starting on the bench, but I, I've got to have him in the 17 somewhere. Okay, yeah. Um, who else was there? Big Tino. Tino. He played it locked, didn't he? Yeah, I think, yeah, I think he was in the back row. Uh, Foto Aker was pretty good in his one game. Um, See, the problem for New South Wales, like, their forward pack was pretty average. Yeah. 
you know, like if if somebody said the whole New South Wales pack, uh, the whole Queensland pack, sorry, I wouldn't blow up about it. No. Uh, so say you take the new, the Queensland pack, right? I'm I'm even willing to go Harry Grant at hooker. Like he was well, spectacular. I was, I was, I was going to put Harry Grant hooker anyway. Okay. So, like, would you just pick the whole Queensland pack? Well, it's it's hard not to. Who yeah. stood out for New South Wales? That's the thing. I don't, like Cook was all right. He was pretty good. Mm. Outside of him, like none of them did. Crichton. Yeah, Crichton was probably their best. Eh? Because that's the thing is. I mean, obviously, Cohen Hess played a game for Queensland, so we can't, we've got to rule him out. He can't, he can't but, play. Um, he barely Caf- played for Queensland. By the way. <laughs> <laughs> Caf- Caf- Josh Papali, they're definitely in there. Okay, so let's put uh, let's put Papali at eight, and I like I would have I'd have Haas on the bench, Crichton on the bench, put Capewell on the bench. Capewell, yeah, he was fantastic as a utility. Um, um, Jai Arrow, you could probably got lock. Yeah, lock and lock and put Tino in the back row, hey. Yeah, Tino, and then uh, what else do we need? Arrow, we need. Hang on, Kafusi. Uh, I've got to put him in the back row. Yep, Kafusi. So, and um, we've got uh, Jack. What's his name? I was talking about him before. What's My, the, the hooker. Oh, Harry Grant. Harry Grant, Jack. Jack Grant. Jack Grant. Or is that Harry Jack? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we, we need one more prop and another bench player. Um, Jaden Sewer? Yeah. Or Christian Welch, or both? Oh, I thought Christian Welch was pretty good, actually. He's, he's one of those... Um, Consistent, solid, does his job type players. Yeah, he just, it, like, he wasn't spectacular, but there was a few times, especially uh, in the last couple of games, he just, he looked good. Like, he mm. he, he looked good. Um, and a, is there another, is there a, well, we got Capewell as a utility. Is there another utility we could bring out of the New South Wales team? You put Cook in there, I guess. Yeah, Cook on the bench. All right. And yeah, he's so fast, man. You can put him on the wing. You probably could, eh? So long as we're playing on sand. <laughs> what are you talking about? I got no idea what you're talking about. Uh, I heard this rumor. <laughs> Filthy rumor. <laughs> Filthy rumor. <laughs> okay, so the team is from one to seventeen: Tedesco, Adokar, Gagai, Whiten, uh, Coates. Got Munster and DCE in the centres. Then Papali, Grant, Welch, Kafusi, Tino, Jai Arrow, and then on the bench is Cook, Capewell, Haas, and Crichton. I'd be happy with that. Yeah, that sounds pretty good to me. Yeah, people have performed. Yeah. No point picking New South Welshmen when they haven't done the job. Yeah, bludgers. Exactly. Okay, that was good. We did that yeah. quicker than I expected, huh? <laughs> Likewise, that's what I was the episode. <laughs> Okay, here's another one from Nui Ash. He says, Ponga, Munster, 
DCE Grant, why do I get the sense that there is another Queensland dynasty just around the corner? And then he says, Lasai. Hmm. Well, that's the thing is, DCE is quite a bit older than the rest of them. True. He's 32 next year. Yeah. He's looked pretty good physically for 32, though. Oh, absolutely. He's still got several years in him. Yeah. But um, who's the next seven going to be for Queensland? Um, because that's the thing. I wonder if you could play Munster and Ponga in the halves and they just do the job. They could, absolutely. Yeah. Who would yeah. you have a fullback? Um, it's a good question. It's a real good question. Wouldn't you be that, that Holmes. Young. Holmes, or you could probably have that Corey Allen from South who did a reasonably decent job. I, mean, I know he dropped a ball, which Tedesco scored a try from early on, but mm. he's only young. Are we forgetting a fullback? Are we forgetting a Queensland fullback? Darius Boyd? No, I'm trying hard to, but I still remember him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh. See, P- Ponga, for me... He's one of those players. Look, he's very dangerous from fullback. I just think I'd play him in the halves with Munster. And well, there's like also if um, AJ Brimson. Oh um, yeah, Brimson. That's it. Yeah. Ah, oh, this sucks. <laughs> yeah, and, and Brimson can play at, at six as well if need be. So, um, yeah, God, there's options there. He was so good in that first game, Brimson. Oh, yeah. he's he's always been a class looking player too. Mm. Okay, so another one from Newey Ash. Who are your top three favourite referees of all time? Uh, Greg McCullum. Mm-hmm. Just because I like the fact that a, a bloke from the pub could just go out and do some refereeing. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> um, who else could we go with? Shane Hayne. Shane Hayne? Mr. Personality. And do you mind if I pick one from the past? Yeah, go for it. George Boss. Who's George Boss? He was a referee in 1908. Mm-hmm. And he helped the New Zealand Maori team when they came over to Australia for their first tour. He helped teach them how to play rugby league because they'd only played rugby union prior. Oh, okay. And so he stood, stood down from his duties as a referee to be their assistant coach. Not Greg he, Hartley? He, he then refereed the uh, the Maori playing Queensland in Brisbane, yeah. and the Maori won that game quite surprisingly. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. But he also refereed the first game South played, which was oh. against North. Ah. There you go. That's South versus North. Doesn't that sound just so, like, new and... Yeah. Like, obvious. There you go. I've picked, I've picked a referee who only refereed in four games. <laughs> That's one of my favourites. <laughs> nice. I'm just, just trying to think, like you had Greg Hartley, Grasshopper was a horror show. Oh, I'm also forgetting, obviously, the bloke who I did a uh, feature article on, Ted Hooper. Yes. The first referee. He was he was amazing. Still to we, this day, the only referee who refereed two games back-to-back on the same day. We did a podcast episode about him, didn't we? We did. Yes. Fantastic. Go back. Yes. Go back through our vast catalogue and have a look for that one. Exactly. Oh, that was a good episode. Mm, yeah, um, he was brilliant. 
Where would you rate someone like a Bill Harrigan? I didn't really rate him, to be honest. Didn't you? No. So do you know who was good? Stephen Clark, he was good. Yeah. See, was... I like my referees to be the sort of people who you didn't have to talk about. And yeah. Bill Harrigan had this attitude about him. That he was as he was to be as well known as the players. Yeah, he, look, I think I, he was a good referee, but the, the, yeah, he, that part of it is the wrong part. Yeah. Plus, let's not forget, he fucked up in the 89 grand final. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you weren't playing in the spirit of the game. The spirit of the game. Yeah, that's, well, Bill, you weren't refereeing in the spirit of the game. That's terrible, that one, hey? Shocking. And that's because his ego wouldn't allow him to admit he got something wrong. That basic, That was the the worst refereeing decision I've seen in a grand final outside of every single call against Penrith in 2020's grand final. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, that's just an unbiased view right there. Um, okay, here's an here's one from Liam. Um, when did Liam sent this on 17th of November. He says, Hi, guys. Just a topic I'd like to hear your thoughts on. In an alternative reality where Super League ended up reigning supreme over the ARL in 1997. And then he says, let's say Manly won the ARL grand final, so no one cared about that comp or something, which is actually a really cool little added, added addition that he's put in there. Because I think if Manly had won it, it would have been different, eh? Um, Probably, yeah. And he says, and the ARL folded. How would Rugby League look today after 22 years of Super League? Which ARL teams would have, if any, successfully uh, defected to save themselves from extinction? How many teams would the comp have had and where? Would you still be watching Rugby League today? Thanks, guys. Keep up the good work. That's Great a deep question. One. Yeah. I would say um, the Super League would have forced a lot of those uh, ARL clubs to merge. Mm-hmm. They agree. would have merged Newcastle and Hunter together, and that would have been ugly, but they would have done it. Yep. Parramatta would have been forced to merge with uh, Balmain, as Parramatta wanted to do, and that would have been a takeover. Mm-hmm. Canterbury would have taken over West. Yep, yep. Um, Gold Coast and South Queensland, I think, were, were close to a merger. They probably would have pushed that one through and maybe even tried to push another team into them just to try yep. and... Clear up a bit of mess there, I guess. Yeah, I'm guessing... I'm trying to think of, like, what they would have done. They probably still would have gone ahead with Manly and Norse because they they wouldn't have wanted to have too many teams in in Sydney. They would have wanted to try and have a north, south, east, west, one or two in the central, and that was, you know, that was it. Six teams is the maximum they'd want there. Yeah. And then keep all the capital cities elsewhere. I think they would have... I wouldn't have been shocked to see that that merger between the Dragons and the Roosters pushed and, and you end up with, like, the Sydney Dragons. I actually wouldn't um, have been surprised if they had have forced the Dragons to merge with Cronulla and the Roosters merge with South. See, I, I feel I like know, they... I know that culturally they they're not, they would never work, no. but I wouldn't be surprised if they, would have, if they hadn't forced that. See, you, here's what I think would have happened. I think they would have forced that. I think South would have said no. They would have kicked Souths out anyway, which is what really happened, right? Mm-hmm. And so, like, that's not a, a stretch to think they would have said, well, bug you, you're out. And then I think that would have meant that they would have pushed 
I, in fact, I wouldn't have been shocked. I wouldn't be shocked if they had said Cronulla Dragons and the Roosters. You all merge to become the Sydney the Sydney Dragons, and I think it would have been Sydney Dragons. I don't think it would have been anything other than that, because um, that's three teams gone immediately. We'll probably even merge them with Illawarra and still and have them based entirely in that, um, you know, Cogra, Sutherland, Wollongong area. Yeah, that the yeah they could have gone that way too. At least that gets them a, a bit out of Sydney and covers the south part pretty well. Man, that's in, it's really interesting. We would have we still would have ended up with Melbourne. Yep. Um, probably would have retained Adelaide and Perth. Or at the very least, one of them, I think. Yeah. Well, I think... Well, I, I reckon they would have tried to keep both. Yeah. Yeah. If they if they were able to successfully condense the Sydney market down to a handful of teams, mm-hmm. I reckon they would have done everything to try and keep Perth and Adelaide, get Melbourne. Um, obviously, you've got North Queensland, you've got Brisbane, you've got the Gold Coast. The only thing they'd be looking at after that is probably a team in Darwin maximum. If they wanted to get every single market everywhere and trying to really nail down every available time slot as well as working on new markets mm-hmm. and getting new players into the game, um, that's something they would do. I think we would also have a second team in New Zealand because mm-hmm. that would be good for Sky over there, which is part of the you know News Corp yep. uh, under, under and- their umbrella. I would not be surprised if they had have got a team from PG and the PNG involved somewhere as well down the line. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I think, and I think that. Uh, I, okay, so here's a question for you, and this is the question he asked: Would you be following the Parramatta Tigers? Um, because you don't like Parramatta, do you? No, I probably wouldn't, because it would have been a Parramatta takeover, so I wouldn't. I wouldn't have followed them. Okay. Would I'd you watch find... the game? I'd still watch the game, absolutely. Okay. Now, in this scenario, the Panthers are untouched. So I'd still be supporting the Panthers. If they were forced to merge with the Eels, I think they'd have been playing at Parramatta. They'd probably be called the Parramatta Panthers. Um, See, for I... me, I, I, what I'd like to do, and I know they're, they're not close, but I'd merge... Or we'll probably even have a takeover Penrith and West, and just Penrith gets that whole Penrith Campbelltown region, and they just make that theirs. Like they've yeah. got that whole West all to themselves. Yeah, and call themselves like the Western P- Suburbs Panthers or something. Yeah, Western Sydney Panthers. Yeah, so I would have, and like being, a, it's a little bit lucky. Panthers are really marketable logo, really marketable colours. Um, even if you take the the black and blue and gold, that would probably be able to make big look good. If you take the black and the white, I mean that's already part of the Panthers' colours. So it would have been easier for me if those were the merger options, and I'd still be following the game. But if they had have kicked Penrith out, I'd still be supporting the game. But I don't think I'd have a team. I would probably have done. I probably would have done something like started supporting the storm or something who would have been the brand new team. And I'd have been like, look, I'll go for an expansion club because, you know, it's a new club, you know, it's got no baggage. It's got no history and I've just lost my club. So I'd I'd probably have gone that way. 
I probably, yeah, I would definitely do the same thing. Um, purely because I I haven't grown up in an area where an NRL team existed, mm-hmm. so I don't have a um a team that I feel like I'm part of their community, so to speak. I've always been an outsider with my team. Okay, yeah, so it'd be easier for you sort of thing. Exactly. I can just pick up another team and just start supporting them, just as passionate as I would any other team, but yeah. I'd be able to move I'd be able to move on, I guess. That's probably why I was able to move on from the whole Bowman and West merging so quickly. A lot of yeah. people still had this angst that went on for like five, ten, twenty years. I was able yeah. to move on pretty quickly. Yeah, which is good. It's good. Yeah. I I think that I probably would have looked at it in the same way as uh, like the the Houston Rockets. I've supported them since I was a kid, and like support them have supported them passionately through. I've been lucky; they've been good for a long time. But even through the the bad seasons I've had, um, never wavered for a second. When people run around saying I follow the Chicago Bulls because of Michael Jordan, I was like, "Fuck you." Like, <laughs> Fucking rockets are where it's at. Akeem Olajuwon's better than Jordan, um, so I've always been sort of down that path. And look, I'm I'm also a I support the um, or I, I I don't know you can say support, but I guess I'm a fan of the Dallas Cowboys. And even though they've been fucking dreadful for a long, long time, I'm still a Dallas Cowboys fan. So <laughs> I think it would have been like that. There is a bit of a detachment there but you can still support them and love them and all that sort of stuff, yeah. you know, as much as your local team. But um, I look, I, the Panthers, and I've said this on the podcast before, they lucked out. They've got these, they've got these small advantages over other Sydney-based clubs that have, that at times have kept their head above water when the axe has been out there swinging around. And it's just been enough to get them through, even when they've been poorly run, and it's been luck. It's been real lucky. Yeah, they've they've done really well. I think yeah, they are financially um, strong sort of team as well. Yeah, well, look when they're when they're well run, they're in really rude health financially. Like they've got that massive leagues club behind them, and you know their crowds are good. Their junior base is the best in the world. Which I did you see what I was doing on Twitter this week? No, what was that? I've barely been on there. I've barely been on there apart from saying that I said that uh, there was one tweet I did and it was along the lines of like every other team scratches and, and fights their way to try and get to the top of the mountain. But just keep in mind, Penrith is the mountain. <laughs> just, just just stuff like that and things like imagine imagine having to uh, wait until the Penrith until you saw what the Penrith Panthers were doing to work out what your team and your club's future could be like, just stuff like that. People didn't like it at all, let me tell you. But, um, yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, sometimes you got to, don't you? You do, you do. So we've got any other emails there? Yeah, we got one here from Tom, and he says uh, the subject is recent history of the rise and fall of clubs, and he says, All right, lads. I think this is how you want to be messaged via the website. Anyway, I really, really enjoyed your breakdown of the West Tigers' recent history in a recent episode. Personally, I don't give a fuck about any NRL history pre-2003. That's when it was really good. Um, 
But if you guys wanted to do any more episodes, just like when you spoke about the Tigers, I think it would be really good. I understand you might know more about the Tigers and the Panthers, seeing as you are both fans of the clubs. But if you had any more big insight on anything else, it would be really interesting. Cheers, lads. Have a good one. That can be arranged. Yeah, we can do that. Absolutely. Um, here's one. Oh, Put, man, load up. Add, add that to the list of episodes to do during the off-season. Yes, we have a really good episode about women's rugby league coming up. <laughs> um, here's one from Adam. It says the Ma- Mahe Cup, Maya Cup, something like that. Ma, Ma Cup, M-A-H-E-R. Yes. Yes. You know what he's talking about already. Hey, Freaky, I just listened to the November 23 episode and a bit and the bit that most caught my attention was the Immortals discussion and specifically about players of the past who have been overlooked. I did a bit of searching on some of the names and that you and Andrew threw up and I ended up looking up at a page on the Mahe Cup. Is that how you say it? Ma- Mahe Cup? Ma- 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 All right, yeah. I'll get it eventually. Um, when I was a kid growing up in Cowra in the 1970s, my grandmother who loved footy and the Dragons, used to tell me about the markup and how it used to whip up people in town. That part of the state where it was played were all connected by rail, and that's how the teams travelled. It got me thinking about how in those days gone by, footy was really important to small towns. Yeah, and because the the markup too was, um, it was a pretty big deal. So mm-hmm. much so that a lot of top-line um Top line players in Sydney would give up a year playing in Sydney at the elite level, the club level there, to go to the country so that they could get picked to play in the Mark Cup. Mm-hmm. Look, that was another challenge I wanted to do. Even players from England would come over and move to the country instead of Sydney to play exclusively in the in the bush leagues there to try and get into those cups there because they were just that bit more brutal. So a lot of these players wanted to test themselves at the toughest level, not so mm-hmm. much the most skillful, but the toughest. Mm-hmm. And you had to be tough to survive in those. Um, a lot of great players there, a lot of test players played there as well um, and while they were still playing test footy. So they were at the peak of their careers when they did it. So it was pretty, um, pretty impressive competition. I've been trying to find results for it and it's mm-hmm. a bit sketchy at times so it's going to take some more, some time but I do have every intention of putting um, the results of that onto the Rugby League Project website. I believe there's about 700 odd games all up over the years. Oh wow. So it's going to take a while to do but um, yeah. Definitely uh, one of those a lot of those bush cups they were yeah. bloody I've rough. never heard of it, hey? I think the cup itself was I don't know if it's still there or not. It was in the uh, the NRL Rugby League Museum, I think. Oh, really? don't know if it's still there or not. I know the museum's currently closed and has been for ages. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it's in there. There's a, they've got a whole heap of trophies in there, so I think it's in there somewhere. Man, you see, what you need to do, right, you need to travel up to Sydney as a rugby league historian, so the NRL look, doing some work, and need to access to all this stuff. Try and get access to it, and then get your old mate Freaky to go along with you. Well, that can be arranged. Yes! As um, so, soon as the pandemic's over, hey? Mm. There's also another one in the same sort of region, I think, was the Foley Shield. 
I um, feel like I've heard of that one. Yeah, another one where just that was more of a Riverina one, I think. Okay. But um, I, I found this quote about the markup. Okay. Um, it's written in a book here at the moment. It says it's a battered lidless trophy. If you saw it in a second-hand goods shop, you wouldn't give you wouldn't give five pounds for it. <laughs> oh, I like really want to see it. It's been dropped and dinged around and whatnot else. And they just kept it. It's fine. That, that, <laughs> just, they're the best ones. And that's what, it's so fitting though that it's got a few dings and, and bumps on it because it just fits the whole thing. Just fits the mark up to a T. That wow, that's awesome. That's so. Yeah. Okay, so we've got another email here from Tiger Man. He says, hello, fellas. This I've is either been... good or bad. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it, this either is going to be like, oh, you did good, or... You t- prick. You know, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you stop fucking you. bagging my club. <laughs> hello, fellas. I've been listening to your podcast since the very start and have loved every episode. That's awesome. Oh, That's great. Oh, <laughs> Or off to a good start. But, no. (laughs) Your chats give me a good laugh, and I thank you for doing what you do. As a Tiger's diehard, I was too young to appreciate our... Oh, I remember we read this before, didn't we? I have no idea. My memory's like a fish. Yeah, because remember he said our four successful years, and you're like, four of them? Oh, that's right, yeah. Yeah, so I've read that one. I think that may have actually tipped off the in-depth thing we did before. Yeah, that's... (laughs) The 17th in-depth episode on the West Tigers being shit. <laughs> they kicked off your last breakdown. <laughs> yeah. I'm, that's why I've been away for a week. I've just, I've just had to recover. Yeah, yeah. So that's how, that's where we're up to. So we've we've done our, all of our emails and everyone that's got in touch with us. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Now, we've had, um, we have one comment came through on Facebook. I've just got to find that again. Okay, Here yeah. From Curtis Kent. Mm-hmm. It says, G'day, lads. Loving the podcast. Only been listening for the last month. Question. If Rugby League was under one organisation, what would you call it? Could it work? How would it work? I had a quick chat with my workmate, and we both agreed on WWRL, Worldwide Rugby League. Thoughts? Cheers, Curtis. Um, Worldwide Rugby League, it's, it's all right, yeah. I just call it Rugby League. Just right, just flat out rugby league. Yeah, yeah there's nothing probably... else, is there? Yeah. Oh, you know what? I I think I would call it. Um, I would call it. You know what I would call it? And I know there'll be a lot of people that won't like this. I'd call it something like prof- professional rugby, or professional rugby league, something like that. How about super professional rugby league? Super king <laughs> professional rugby league. <laughs> Ultra Super King. <laughs> St. George Illawarra Ultra Super King. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Yeah. yeah um, international rugby. I don't know. Yeah, I would go that direction. Hey? Why, not just, why not just World Rugby League? Why not just go with WRL? World Rugby League, yeah. World Rugby League. I bet that's trademarked, eh? Have they got I a be- website? If they do, you own it. <laughs> Give me five minutes, so well. God damn it, now I've got to look that up. Yep. Son of a bitch. Just add that to the list. <laughs> um, could it work, all of Rugby League under one organisation? I think it could. I, I think it could too. We've got a website. What the fuck is this? USA, what is this bullshit? 
<laughs> this is some bullshit. This is one of those. This is one of those fake bullshit ones. So it it loads up to a, we- a website, and it says USA included with India and China as top drivers of global rugby growth, and then it talks about uh, world rugby in 2018 and gives all of the you know the fake stats. All of, all of sports use those fake stats. Grand Prix. Oh, yes. Man, CNN, USA Rugby is on the rise. Should the NFL be worried? Spoiler alert. No. Um, let's invest. Let's invest? Yeah, let's invest. It's the it's apparently the Grand Prix Network is what they call themselves. Oh, right. Uh, acquires major market. All expenses paid. What do I have to invest in it then? Um, How much do you have to invest? Okay. Uh, Manscaped pepper. These pictures are taken from a game, a video game. A video game, yeah. Man, look at the veins on that bastard. It says like Grand Prix Central front office manages and pays for all marketing and public relations matters, all network sponsorship and licensing contracts. Blah blah blah. Grand Prix sports owners enjoy the attributes of owning a sports team, including authority regarding. Selecting, drafting, trading, releasing all players. Selecting and hiring teams, coaches, trainers, and personnel. Selecting and hiring team executives. Selecting team colors, logos, branding, and more. Should, we should send them an email. Yeah. And say, like, brah, I'm all in. Yeah. We, we've, we've got you. How about you just give us the website? We'll look after it for you. Yeah. Next thing you know, it'll just be full of mad quackers. They've got videos. You have videos. Oh, shit. They're saying that this makes it look like they've got videos from tournaments. Paris Sevens 2019. Well, that's not fucking them. This that's is not... Rugby Union, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's Rugby Union. Uh, East, there's a board, partners, USA Rugby. Uh, I'm trying to see if there's anyone's name here I can fucking... Hang on. Okay. Do you remember a news story a few years ago? Mm-hmm. And it was about a rugby union competition, but they called themselves the Rugby League. Do you remember that? Yeah, I vaguely do, yeah. They is called this... themselves the something Rugby League. Is this tied in with that? I guess it could be, hey? I think that's what it might be. Well, I bet, I bet these headshots are just fucking random, like you buy headshots from some database, hey? This... There's no way they're real people. Let's look at their news. There's a bloke with a hat and some glasses. He doesn't even want to show you his eyes. He's so rich that he just wears a hat because he's, you know, he's just real casual. He's that rich. Yeah. The problem you've got, mate, though, is you don't have any watches on. No one can take you seriously without watches. Needs at least four, preferably five. There's Kevin Wynn. He looks like an accountant. Um... I like Ruth McCartney. She looks like... <laughs> she looks like a singer of an old band from the 70s. I censored myself heavily just then. Yeah, I was trying to recover so they cover the silence. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, how about Martin Nethercutt? He's the Viceroy of Video. Wow. He looks like... Dave Mustaine? I don't know. He looks like that he would say... Do you want a copper? And you say, yeah. And he says, listen, it's psychedelic. Are you ready for this? And you just hope that he doesn't, like, want to fuck you in an hour or so. 
<laughs> he's giving you a bit of the um, <laughs> bit of that good coffee from the Gold Coast. Yeah. <laughs> Just smell it, mate. It's got a lovely aroma. I'm self-censoring here. Mm. It's that's the good episodes when I got to not say stuff. Yeah, the uh, garden path was. It's like a two-lane highway right there. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> right past Rabina. Um, James, there's a, they've got a James Brown. He earned the Bronze Star as First Lieutenant in the U.S. Army Signal Corps and was a defence policy analyst for several years thereafter. His, um, his personal motto is, get up, get on up. Yeah. I like the fact that in his bio, they actually refer to him as Mr. Brown. <laughs> else we got we got gino yeah it's almost giardia <laughs> he he apparently is the aau west coast director and beach volleyball commissioner at united states inc he loves volleyball doesn't he he's on yeah. a few volleyball boards yeah he's he's big in the volleyball world yeah and the surfing committee so strange he's in the amateur athletic union of the united <laughs> united <laughs> That's it. It doesn't say anything. It is, yes. Yeah, United. That's it. It's the United. They're United. That's good. Oh, and they've got a Karen, but she's so ashamed with the uh, way Karens are spoken about these days. She's changed the way her name is spelt. It's K A R Y N E. It's Karine. Yeah, In she... Australia, we call her a bogan. She... <laughs> she's the chief marketing officer. She's got yeah. to work a bit hard. I never heard of this shit. <laughs> Visionary and dynamic. So if you're going to call yourself a visionary, you probably aren't one. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Oh, she's a results-oriented leader, aren't we all? There's nothing worse than a results-oriented leader. Just ask Matthew Elliott. <laughs> Bruce Bruce Skinner is the founder of the highly successful Arizona Rock and Roll Marathon in Phoenix. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Jeez, I remember my first star. Uh, Arizona Rock and Roll Marathon in Phoenix. There's nothing I love more than doing, putting my passions of rock and rolling and marathoning in like the same place as a fucking desert. Yeah, well, that's where you want to have a marathon and a rock and roll. Yeah, you just want to do it in the middle of just the hottest, put... hottest yeah. place you can. Just go to the desert. Yeah. What a genius. No wonder he's running this place. Yeah. Well, that's that's been a uh, very insightful. They've even got a legal team. I like Rich Rose and his fake hair, by the way. Just wanted to say that. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's good. He's got a, he's just got to let it go, hasn't he? Yeah, just embrace embrace the impending death. Come on now. It's interesting because um, his eyebrows have already left him. <laughs> yeah, I didn't notice that. <laughs> I didn't notice that. We can only say these things because we're such beautiful men, hey? Absolutely, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm an absolute fucking stunner. <laughs> I just can't even look at myself in the mirror because, you know, I just stop well, and I'm like, God. It's too last good. time I looked in the mirror, mate, the, my reflection got an erection. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Not me. I'll tell you what, last time I looked in the mirror... It creamed up. <laughs> okay. Were we answering something along the way? Um, I think we were. I think we've. Oh got yeah. What, what would we call a worldwide rugby league? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
I, I think we've I think we've answered that one. Yeah, yeah, we did good with that one too. I think we nailed that. Yeah. And we've also had a few comments. Oh yeah, tell us about the comments because the comments were really cool. Yes, so the, uh, Andy M, who I think we know, mm-hmm. he's uh, he's given us a, a comment that says, "Smooth as just ask freaky, always enjoyable podcast, opinionated, yes, boring never. These guys don't ever sit on the fence on an issue in league. Of course we don't. Yeah, we don't, do we? Nah, too many people do that. We can't be asked. Yeah, it's just boring. You know, you hear people and you just know they're trying to keep everyone happy. Exactly, and that's that's the problem too. It's work. Yeah. It's easy to just come out, have an opinion, just just own it. It's like, I think that every time I hear Andrew Abdo talking, it's like, (laughs) he just yaps away and he says buzzwords, and it's like, what the fuck has this guy actually said though? See, he doesn't actually sit on the fence. He is the fence. He is the fence. <laughs> he is the mountain. Oh, shit. Um, and Guy Smiley. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is actually Simpsons NRL memes on Twitter. People, you've got to get on there and check him out. He is absolutely golden, that bloke. It's great, yeah. Um, he's called us the diehard of Rugby League podcasts. From, from Tamworth to James Hooper to Gus Gould to Tamworth to Moses Mumbai and, of course, Tamworth. It's the Rugby League podcast that hates the same things you hate. It's the Rugby League podcast who hates English Rugby League more than they hate themselves. But the one thing they don't hate is the sport of Rugby League. Great podcast, lads. Much love. Oh, that's great. They're two awesome, awesome, awesome reviews. Absolutely. And we're going to put them up on the website. Hell yeah. And uh, if you want to get your comments up there... Make them as good as that. Give us a five-star review. We'll read them out on here. We'll put them up on the website as well. Yeah, just go. If you've got a, an Apple device, you're probably listening to us right now through the podcast and app on there. You can do it straight from the podcast and app. You just start. Uh, I think what you do is you open, like you press where the podcast and app is playing, scroll down a little bit, and it says, do you want like rate this podcast? And you just do it straight from the app. It's really, really simple. And what do we do for those people who aren't listening to us at the moment? How do we get them on there? <laughs> we do it. This just reminded me of, you know, when David Tapp told all of the Fox Sports, oh, it was the Optus Vision watchers, told them to drive safely. Oh, yes. Do you remember that? I do. Yeah. It just reminded me of that for some reason. Um, uh, yeah, look, if you're not listening right now, your life is going in a really bad direction. And I think you should really take a good, hard look at yourself and just subscribe to the Fergo and the Freak podcast. Um, if you do that, you will then be listening to us. That's a good idea. That's mm. some great advice. Yeah, I reckon so. Brilliant. Um, anything else we want to put in there? In What do you mean? In the, po- in the podcast. Now that we've got to this point. Well, do you have any general advice for the listeners? Um, wash your hands. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Mine would be, don't put your dick in crazy. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to, I might, I might dabble there carefully. <laughs> I went, I went to the uh, Fox Sports website today because I thought, you know, I haven't been, I haven't been online much this week, been working like a bloody blue ass fly. Yes. So I'll just catch up, see what news has been on. Yeah. And all we've all I've saw was um just a bunch of footballers who put their dicks where they shouldn't have done. Yeah. Allegedly. Just, <laughs> just all alleged rape cases. It's like the off season of 
rape trials in in rugby league. It's fucking terrible. Yeah, and I thought the only way this could get better, I guess, for Fox Sports is they put out a list of the top twenty players who put their dicks where they shouldn't have. Would you yeah. click on that headline? I I'll be honest, I would. Yeah. <laughs> There's, man, I'm trying. Uh, yeah. I, 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 can we let's move on? Let's move on. <laughs> I'm, I'm fighting in a in a struggle here. I'm like, I want to say stuff. I can't say stuff. Oh, oh, terrible. There's a whole episode of stuff you've just self-censored right there. <laughs> there really is. I've self-censored a good, like, 15 minutes of content right yeah. there. We'll have to uh, add that to the uh, add that to the list. We'll put it on our, our final episode that we ever do. Yeah, when we just, like, we, we come out with all the things we wanted to say. When we've both got something terminal, we're just going to come out and just burn the, burn the world down. Oh, pump the brakes when we got, we've both got something terminal. What the yeah. fuck, man? Yeah, nothing to lose. Yeah, I guess. Hopefully we're very, yeah, I mean, very old men by then. And you're still fighting Rona, so, you know. I still, I'm still coughing and stuff, hey? Yeah, I mean, it hangs around. You know, you know what fixes it when you've got the, that cough? <laughs> what? <laughs> I've heard it works every time. What? Go on. Eating onions. Fuck you. <laughs> Fucking every time I get sick and I like, I'm like, oh, I still got this guy. Oh, I've got this cough. Andrew's like, eat a fucking onion. See if you can taste something. It's like, fuck off. I told Andrew the other day, one of my friends actually got, they actually did get COVID-19. First thing he says, tell him to eat an onion. It's like fucking psycho. <laughs> did they? No, of course not. They're fucking nearly dying with Corona-19, and I'm not going to tell them to eat a fucking onion. How can you know they had Corona if they didn't eat an onion? Well, that's a good point. They said they lost their sense of taste and smell. I'm going to try and get them on the podcast when they're fully um, healed up and talk about their what, what they went through with it, because it's pretty crazy. Yeah. Well, if they're not going to eat an onion, then the next worst thing they could probably eat is a uh, an English lasagna from Aldi. Well, you know. Because no I, one knows what their, what their beef is nowadays. Could be chewed up bloody dog for all we know. I'd still eat it. <laughs> Tastes good. It's all mm, cheesy. It's all, mate. Just don't eat the long pork. Yeah, stick clear of that shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. So what have you got? What do you got planned for your weekend? Uh, probably going to go for a uh, drive somewhere, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Then you like to get out of Melbourne. That'd be, that'd be really good. Hey, I saw a thing today about uh, Flinders Street Station on, on YouTube. There was a video of like secret places in public areas that people don't really know about. Oh, they're doing apparently, that shit again. Yeah. Apparently there was a, I think it was a ballroom or something. Up in, in the Flinders roof? Street Station. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> I don't it's even like, believe it. I know that fucking story. <laughs> yeah, is that the world famous ballroom that people talk about? It must be. It's up in the the roof with the you know the the green bit that hasn't been painted for the last five hundred years, which is now somehow character, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the last time they painted the roof of Flinders Street Station was the same day they changed the urinal cakes in the toilets downstairs. Oh, nice. Yeah. Even Leichhardt Oval's toilets have the Unicakes updated more frequently. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say something. 
I feel like you could go to the toilets in Leichhardt Oval and a scientist would be like, this thing is like, it, it's beyond what it used to be and now it's like fossilised. Yeah, they'll be able to find the first, or the last, I suppose, urine from a uh, Tyrannosaurus rex. You could make ah. a, you could make a Jurassic Park version of like just, just a Balmain Greats. I was gonna say a whole show shelf full of um, test tubes. Yeah, <laughs> well, it'll just be the fans. So, like, instead of in Jurassic Park where they opened up the thing and it was like Tyrannosaurus Rex and stuff, it's like, you know, 50-year-old that looks 70 where has only three teeth left, possible alcoholic. You know, that's what the signs say on it. He's all the fans that we've had for the 2022. These are the fans from 2021, 2019. They're just going through all the years, going from as far up as they want all the way back to 1934. We've got them all here. That's where the government will go and they want to start getting people's database. I'll just go to Leichhardt Oval to the toilet. Do you reckon when they opened Leichhardt Oval, Oval 1934, you said, right? Mm-hmm. Do you reckon if you took one of those people and said, this is what this place looks like in 2020, do you reckon they'd be like, what the fuck did you just do to it? <laughs> it's still the same. I think all they'd say is, how come the goalposts go the other way now? <laughs> Even Phil Gould's still mystified by that. Every time they go to Leichhardt, you listen to him. Every time it's on Channel 9, he always goes, I remember when the Grand used to run the other direction. Like, we know, gosh, you fucking say it every week. Do you reckon there's going to be things that we say on the podcast, though, where, like, once we've done, like, 3,000 episodes sometime next year, people will be like, these fucking pricks say this stuff every three or four episodes. Well, I'm surprised they haven't started on matter with the West Tigers bashing. <laughs> yeah, true. We can, we fall into that hole really quickly, hey? We, we we did well to steer away from bashing the same sort of people all the time. Yeah, that's true. Apart from fucking scumbag, low-life, alcoholic journalists. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's so many of them now, we can just give them that label and not actually say, any, say anyone names. You should just call them alcoholics from now on, hey? But everybody knows who we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Winky face. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is going quite well. Yeah. It's been a good last episode. <laughs> <laughs> We've been rather uh, rather well behaved. We started out being nice and serious and rather analytical and just sort of evened out, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to say went downhill. No. Just sort of evened out. Nah, we've to, obviously we needed to let off some steam after not doing a Wednesday episode. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, a bit of catching up to do. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, what do you reckon we should be doing in the off season? More history stuff. Yeah, more history oh. stuff. Um, All right. Statistics. Um, what else could we do? We'll interview some different people. Yeah, I've got to get some more people on. Yeah, yeah. It's it's been. It's been a while since we had someone on. We've talked about some things and um, some issues and things like that. We're, st- we're not going to stray too far from rugby league, though. We know you love your rugby league. That's all right. And look, there's a fair chance that over the next two or three weeks, we're going to be getting inundated in the media with um, what is Cameron Smith going to do with the for his career next year and how mm. his refusal to tell anyone is um, detrimental to the health of James Hooper. Yeah, so hopefully he holds off as long as he can. Yeah, as I said, um, 
I'd be fine if Cameron Smith decided to announce what he's going to do about 15 minutes before kickoff in round one. That would be brilliant. Can you Just imagine if, nothing all off imagine season. if they named him, then they said he pulled his hammy leading into the game in the warm-up, but then they said, actually, he just retired last year. <laughs> that would be great. I'd love I'd love for him to be just listed in the... Uh, no, not listed in the 21. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And then they come up and say, right, <laughs> five players have all come down with injuries. <laughs> We've just called back Cameron Smith just to fill in. Just for this week. Yeah. And they do that every fucking week. <laughs> <laughs> or oh, they, you like, wouldn't believe our damn rotten luck. Or they or they select him in the, or like they say he's playing on, but then first game rolls around and it's like the the coach doesn't select him. And they don't select him again, don't select him again. It's like why is selecting Cameron Smith? It's like, oh he retired. Why would I select him? That'd be brilliant. Like, whatever, I just love the way they've all played it. They've said nothing. Even with this book tour he's doing, and he's been talking to all the media outlets and stuff, he hasn't said a damn thing, and I love that. Oh, yeah. As I said, uh, there's a lot of people who would have many different criticisms of Cameron Smith, but uh, the the fact that he's saying nothing now, and it's irritating the... You know, the dickheads in the media. Mm-hmm. Not all the people in the media, just the dickheads in the media. They're the ones who are getting upset. The fact that it's getting them all cranky is so fantastic. He's endearing himself to me. Yeah, yeah. It's great. Greatest performance of his career. <laughs> For that, he should be an immortal alone. Absolutely. I'll, I'll happily bypass all of my... Uh, <laughs> one of my rules that I've had from the last episode. <laughs> or I could just put in a, a, a last rule. If you manage to completely cause a media meltdown mm-hmm. mentally mm-hmm. of all of the scumbags in the media, mm-hmm. just by saying nothing, you're in. That works for me. I'm, I'm, I think that's got to happen. <laughs> uh, who's, your, who's your tip for the uh, Super League Grand Final? Um, whoever is playing against St. Helens. Okay. I saw some, there was a quote I saw and I don't know who said it, but it was, it was posted by the St. Helens website, uh, the St. Helens Twitter feed that said, um, that somebody said that they, they thought that James Graham was the best forward of the modern era. So in England, no, no, of the modern era of rugby league. What's the modern era, do you reckon, to English rugby league? Because for us, we can probably pick what the modern era is. I would say it's from the 10-metre rule onwards, right? Yeah. Would you say that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Well, it's either that or when full-time professionalism happened, but they're both kind of similar sort of period. Pretty close, pretty close. And, and I guess for us, too, a lot of that come in – at the same time as a lot of the expansion and and things like that, like it happened at, at around the same time. Do you reckon it's the same for English supporters modern and people? Era. Do you reckon their modern era is different? Like what would they say is the modern era? Because it's not to do with expansion. They didn't do it. What would be the modern era for England? And it's not to do with who, how, what teams are winning the competitions because 
same fucking teams are winning the competitions going back to like eighty nine. Depends because if they're talking about anything, a British being the best in the world, mm. then their modern era must be any time after about nineteen oh four. What about? <laughs> I, I would say, without question, James Graham is the best active rugby league forward in the modern era in the last week. <laughs> I was going to say, from Mersey. <laughs> from Mersey. <laughs> He's the best translucently ginger, <laughs> fat Prince Harry looking. I love him. I love James Graham, really. I'm a huge James Graham fan. Yeah, yeah. I love his. I love his attitude. I love his style. I love the fact that he went and remember that that thing he did about um, CTE. Yeah, yeah. He's donating his brain. I fucking love that. Mm. And he went after the media about it as well. I think with that that um, article thing or that letter he wrote. Mm-hmm. I vaguely remember it now. I've got CTE probably. Probably. I copped a few head knocks. How many times do you reckon you've had a, a proper hard whack to the head? Uh, probably two or three. Yeah, I reckon I've had. I I can remember. I can remember at least two of them. So. I remember I got felled at cricket training one day by a bouncer. Oh really? Yeah i I thought the bowler was bowling a bit faster than he was, and mm. I uh, I swung a bit early with the with the hook shot. Yep. And by the time I finished the shot, the ball came through and hit me in the back of the just above my ear. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Wow. Um, so I, that's probably why I batted around about 9, 10, or 11 all the oh, time. jeez, yeah. He's um, timing his way out. Real bad. Real bad. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. See, I know for me, I when I was in primary school, I think I was in year, I think I was in year two, I was sitting on a on a uh, a wall, a brick wall, and fell off the back of it and landed on the top of my head on the concrete. That was probably about, let me think, it's probably about a four foot fall. <clears throat> and then when I was about twelve, thirteen, I uh, was doubling someone down down going down my street on the hill on my mountain bike, and their foot got caught in the front thing, and I went straight over. Luckily, I was wearing a helmet; otherwise, I would be dead. And then uh, in high school, I was tackling someone and they punched me right in the top of the head. So as long as I get hit in the top of the head, I'm fine, apparently. Yeah. So I I just, listening to your first story then, I was just thinking, I should call you Humpty Dumpty. <laughs> I'm, the good thing is it hasn't affected me because I can only think of three times when I've, I've hit my head and it was all three. Let me tell you about them. Sorry, that was a joke. I was going to repeat myself. That's a good one. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's a classic. Anyways, should we wrap this one up, you reckon? Let's wrap this one up because I have to go. Yeah, let's shave put it my, bed. Shave my balls. You shave your balls? Yes. How often do you shave your balls? Shave my balls every... If it's not too personal a question. <laughs> no. <laughs> Conservatively, every 37 and a half minutes... And I, I go to manscaped.com to get my equipment to do that because at manscaped.com, if you go there and you purchase anything at all on the website, you put in 
our exclusive code, which is NRL, you get 20% off and free shipping. And it also comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, which you'll never need because the Lawnmower 3.0 is just the cutting edge of manscaping equipment. Uh, you've got the microfiber shorts that you get with the perfect package 3.0. You know, you get the bat, the, the mat to catch all of your pubes and what else do you get? You get the ball toner, the ball preserver. It's fantastic. I recommend it to anyone. So go to manscaped.com. Just to get the, um, the, the nose hair trimmer as well. Yeah, you do. If you, if you, you know, you don't want to look like you, you got a bush up your nose. No, if you're a bit hirsute in the nostril region. Mm. Yeah. That's, that's the cure. That's the remedy. I just had to self-censor myself again. Man, you've been busy tonight. I really have. I didn't realise I was going to have to work out this hard to do this podcast. <laughs> so um, I'll be tuning in for the next half hour to find out what it is that you had to uh, had to restrain from saying after we finished recording this one. <laughs> That'll be entertaining. That'd be good. Um, People, make sure you check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Fergo Freak Pod. We're on LinkedIn, Facebook, YouTube. So check us out there. Subscribe, like everything. That'd be fantastic. Don't forget to give us a uh, five star review and a a uh, comment. And we'll, as we said, we'll put it up on the website. We'll read that on the uh, on the podcast as well. We'll make you famous ish. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also send us a uh, an email, much like the ones we read out today, just by going to the website, Freaky. Yeah, go to fergoandthefreak.com, click the contact button, and you'll see a little form there, and just fill it out and uh, send us through a message. We'll, read, we'll answer your questions, because mm. that's what we do. You know, sometimes you need content, so we just ask you to provide it for us. Yeah, and, and we love we love hearing from our listeners. We get so much really nice feedback. It's brilliant. Absolutely. Um. And once again, thanks to the Manscapes. I think that wraps us up, doesn't it? Yeah, next episode, the King of Rugby League Awards 2020. Who's excited? And we we will have an International Player of the Year. Without question. Yep, because there should be. Yes. Tune in for that, people. That's going to be an awesome, awesome episode. Till later. Catch you next time.